Welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, April 28th. I'm Jay Skeets, and alongside me, thanks to the power of technology, Tass Mellis. Good morning, everybody. Morning, Tass. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Yo. The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. And last but not least, the man making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. Email us your NBA questions and comments to no dunks at theathletic.com. You know we're beach stepping it up tomorrow on Wednesday, April 29th, so you got a few more hours to get those cues in, comments in. Follow us on social media, Twitter, and Instagram at no dunks inc. I forgot to mention yesterday, Lee, nice mystery guest there uh-huh, at the end of yeah. last week on Instagram <laughs> Live, opening up that old pack of basketball cards. Wow, I didn't uh, see that coming. No, and uh, how well did he perform? Really, let's talk about that. Uh, so easy. Just a- JD was a uh, just a, an incredible like um, what's that word like a mystic sort of um, freak I don't know yeah, just a freak. all these all these players are buried somewhere deep in his brain and they just came out it was uh, it was like Rain Man I was struggling yeah. with fat lever for some reason yeah, I don't know why. yeah yeah well and Doug, you- Doug Christie and Doug Smith but uh, yeah it was a great performance right, right, right. it was a great performance it uh, you know once we finally got him into the damn chat it's so like yeah. five minutes of just me looking at Lee in sunglasses oh, yeah it was fun it was fun it's always better when things go wrong rather than when they go well Is so it I thought though? that was great Is it? and got another special guest in the can for this week so <laughs> oh, okay. wait till you see who that one is okay, is it the w- is it the one who canceled on you last week jd had to fill in no offense <laughs> <JD>. <laughs> i'm taking that no 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 in fact i've got a bit of a uh, a catalog now of guests i've got lined up so uh, wow. we'll, we'll see how it goes anyway in the next couple oh, of weeks okay well excellent well make sure you follow us on uh, on twitter and instagram at no dunks inc for those uh you know we're on facebook at facebook.com slash no dunks inc well i guess it's official we're now on facebook ah there's garthy and in case you missed it make sure you check out yesterday's podcast monday's podcast recapping the last two episodes of the last dance uh episodes three and four of that documentary series we had a blast talking about rodman and phil jackson and the pistons bad boys and all of the weird hats we're seeing in this series (laughs) And if you're still jonesing for more on that series, The Last Dance, well, you're in luck, because later today, we're going to talk with Curtis Polk, an executive producer on The Last Dance. So we'll fire some questions at him about how the series came together, his interactions with Jordan, and so on. So that's later today on Tuesday, a one-on-one with Curtis Polk, an executive producer of The Last Dance. All right. We're talking a little hoops here, or at least NBA headlines. I'll get us started with sort of a back-to-back jacks type of headlines here. On the weekend, we get from Woj ESPN, quote, NBA reopening team practice facilities Friday where local restrictions eased. Then on Monday, yesterday, a little follow-up to that headline. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pump the brakes a little bit. Woj ESPN, NBA pushes back workout date amid uncertainty. So everybody got excited on the weekend. Expectations maybe tempered a little bit more yesterday, but Tass, what do you think about these headlines, uh, you know, coming out together here back to back? Well, the NBA had to act because there are states in the U.S. that are easing regulations, 24-hour fitnesses, gold gyms. A lot of places are open right now in the state that we're sitting in and right here in Georgia. Gyms have opened. So the, the NBA had to act. They couldn't let their guys just go hang out at a 24-hour fitness and just go chill. So I think that's a reaction uh, by the NBA, and and it's a smart one. It's not in anticipation of the league coming back anytime soon. That That has nothing to do with NBA basketball happening, but they had to establish a safe place for guys to go work out individually in these cities specifically. It's just for these cities. It's not in cities that haven't eased regulations where there are stay at home orders. So it's a smart thing to do, and it doesn't mean guys are working out as a team. There's a ton of regulations within the this possibility that they could be opened on May 8th, and still things are just up in the air. But mm-hmm. if you're if it, the Atlanta Hawks are able to go practice in a gym, they can only have four guys working out at a time. So basically, I think they're working out at their own rims. They're not working out anywhere close to each other. They have yep. to be 12 feet apart. There just has to, there has to be a lot of space uh, in between them. And there has to be sort of one supervisor and it can't be a coach or an assistant coach. So there's lots of rules within it. And I, I don't think it means that the NBA is coming back at all, but I, I think it's, it's got uh, a lot of fans out there are getting angry because 
hey, why are you, why are you sending people out there into danger, into harm's way, sending NBA players into harm's way? Well, I, again, I think they had to act instead of just allowing guys to work out in their condo gyms or whatever. Uh, I, th- I think they're just offering a safe place to go. And so people are looking into the stipulations of, well, they need to wear a mask, according to this, this memorandum that was sent out. But they're allowed to take it off when they're actually working out. Oh, and people get angry. Oh, well, when they're exhaling and sweating as much as possible. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it does because they're not going to be working out anywhere close to each other if they're following (laughs) rules and regulations. And again, it's just somewhere to go uh, instead of people doing it, uh, you know, in their condo gyms or wherever. Snap Fitness, perhaps. That's a hot spot, but you're not allowed to go to Snap Fitness. You can go to a movie theater here in Georgia. That doesn't make sense, but you can, you're can. you not allowed to go to Snap Fitness if you're an NBA player. So it's just a reaction, and I think this is fluid. Like there's two headlines you threw out there, Skeets, that yeah. happened back-to-back. It could be changing within the next 24 hours, and it's going to be changing as teams and, and, and states start to, uh, to see their local and state governments change things around them. Things are changing and changing fast. Yeah, they said uh, no coach or assistant coach has to be a supervisor. So maybe that's someone like me. I could go along and shoot around with the guys if uh, <laughs> if they need someone in the gym. I'm not a coach or an assistant coach. But uh, yeah, I think uh, really as well what I noticed in this article here from Woj is it said, you know, a lot of GMs had apprehensions about bringing back players into facilities in regions where politics, not science and medical expertise seem to be driving the re- reopening of businesses. And I think that's a key point too. Uh, I think right now, the U.S. hasn't flattened the curve enough and it would be crazy if they were to come back and put players at some sort of risk because if a, if a player comes back and somehow somebody associated there contracts the virus, then I think that absolutely uh, ends the season in, in any hope of it and could further delay the opening of next season. So I think that's key here is that still the health of everybody is far more important than whether or not players can get back into gyms. However, the NBA clearly doesn't want people to sort of start going back to these public facilities that, of course, could be a petri dish of viruses and germs. Or to travel, like Tass is saying. If Georgia's open, what's to stop, you know, Zach Levine from saying, well, if Georgia's open, maybe I'll drive down there and start playing at a 24-hour fitness. I take all of these reports at this time kind of with a grain of salt because it's just people making plans because there's basically nothing to do but make plans. That's why things change every 12 hours because more and more information comes out and more and more opinions comes out. So everything seems fluid. I find it hard to get really upset when I see an announcement these days because it never feels solid, right? It never feels like this is exactly what's going to happen. Even this changed from one day to overnight. So who knows? It definitely gives you a little bit of hope that we will see this basketball season again at some point, but it's still basically impossible to know when it is. I'm treating it like the Spurs missing the playoffs. It's hard to believe it's going to happen until it does. Yeah, to echo that and saw something that Ghostface Ziller wrote this morning. It is, you know, it's almost impossible to escape the notion that Silver wouldn't be doing all of this, this idea of these practice facilities opening, you know, okay, now on May 8th. You know, he wouldn't, it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't think he would try to do this at least, make this step to do this if they weren't going to try to resume the season at some point this summer or early fall. So they're definitely not just saying, well, that's a wrap. Goodbye. See you in uh, 2021 or see you for next year. We don't have a champion this year. It's the baby steps. It's always changing. It will once again. It will the next time we sit down to record a podcast. But it's, I guess if you're an NBA hopeful that it's coming back, it's the step in the right direction. Because like you said, Tass, some of these states have said, oh yeah, you can go to a 24-hour fitness, which seems mind-boggling in its own right. But the NBA teams are like, whoa, 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 don't do that. Come to a much safer, you know, much more controlled environment at our own facilities. Um, We'd much rather have you do that and then have all these requirements in place. And you just went through a lot of them, the masks and distancing and, you know, group activity remaining prohibited like so no practices and stuff like that so that makes sense i tweeted it out i don't know if you guys have a guess because i have no clue you know what percentage of nba players have left the markets where their teams play during the shutdown right um you know how many hawks players are here still in atlanta or in georgia and across all the teams because that makes it sort of you know of course difficult as well you don't want these people just traveling all around either yeah, that's exactly right. Think about when we watched Horse. Zach Levine was in Washington. Uh, Trey Young was in Oklahoma. Chris Paul was in California. Those three are not their home states. Yeah, mm. I think like I was 
you know, hypothetically or whatever, guessing, of course. Like, I don't know. It felt high to me too, Trey. I was like, I don't know. Is it 90%, 95? I got a little pushback from people in the know that it seems like, uh, again, it's a bit of a guess and I'm just going from sort of team to team. People that got back to me that, again, know this stuff. It feels sort of like 50%, you know, like a lot of them are like, yeah, well, Raptors, you know, half of them are here and half of them are not. So, um, and maybe there's teams that are, have more. I think the Bucks have a lot of them still in state, but there are other teams that have like next to nobody still in state. So mm-hmm. they're obviously scattered all over the place because they're at their home, you know, home cities and with family when they could be. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, the only state that has an NBA team that has eased regulations is the state of Georgia. Five states have sort of eased regulations, and I think the only one that has a basketball team is Georgia at this point. So there's lots of talk about NBA players traveling to be in the Atlanta Hawks facility, uh, potentially, but that's definitely not allowed. Uh, right. and, and, and I think it's, really, it's just for Hawks players, and, and so I really just think this is a reaction to just preventing – guys from going to again a snap fitness and hanging out with uh yeah. you know tommy tops who's working out at, at 12 a.m <laughs> i mean that's they, they they everybody who has quarantine fatigue is going to want to get out of their house has probably also been working out not only with tommy tops but in their own condo building and so that's it's just preventing that i i i really don't think we're any any way shape or form any more solidly closer to an NBA season. We're just not. They just, the NBA, the player, the league had to react and do something. Now, things are flattening a little bit. The curve is flattening a little bit. Yeah. And so there's progress going on in the U.S., but that doesn't mean we're ready to play basketball whatsoever. And so the other side of this is, well, if, if the Hawks or, for example, let's say California eases regulations because May 15th is their potential date that they could ease regulations, well, if the Hawks are a real playoff team like the Lakers or uh, teams like the, the Clippers are able to go to their facilities, are they gaining an advantage over everybody right, else? Right. Well, that's, I think you got to wait on that too because – most teams in, are going to have three weeks, hopefully, you know, before they start playing. So, like, every situation, it's weird in the U.S., but every state is different. So, I think we can just chill on that. I don't think there's going to be a huge competitive advantage for one team over the other. So, let's just chill. Yeah, because right that's uh, something like Jerry, Jerry Dudley tweeted over the weekend, right? Right after the first headline broke. He was tweeted something along the lines of, like, yeah, this is tricky, right? If if the stay home order goes longer for some teams that don't have access to practice facilities, are they sort of behind the eight ball? Are they screwed? I think he threw in a crying emoji and a facepalm emoji mm-hmm. in there. Uh, but you're saying, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that task. Like I get it. Like, but also let's, that's sort of pointless. I, I don't think it's yeah. all that important right now, whether these guys have their own, they're in a practice facility getting shots up. I mean, again, they're not practice. They're not running scrimmages. They're not running, running things five on five they're not doing that it's it's the equivalent of you on you know, honestly like your driveway um with sort of a guy rebounding for you i guess <laughs> with gloves on <laughs> yeah well it, and and it's probably for guys that are actually going to their facilities like the hawks players going to their facilities it is the place that they're used to working out so they're probably getting in better workouts and stuff uh, but when we look at training camps we don't really give a huge advantage to teams that have been working out a week or two prior to training camps opening. Right. Like, yeah, we say, well, maybe they've developed some camaraderie, but that doesn't mean that the the Washington Wizards who spent August together last year winning the championship. Uh-uh, that's just not how it works. So I, I would chill out. I, the other part about you mentioned Jared Dudley. He's always he's 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 been pretty vocal about guys needing weeks and weeks and weeks. He seems like he needs a lot of weeks so it makes <laughs> makes me feel good to know that jared dudley is kind of like me yeah he's in his late 30s he needs to get plenty of, what, what is he like 34 anyways he needs to get lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of reps uh so that makes me feel good that there's oh so Tass, you're not com- you're not coming out of this quarantine all ripped and stuff like that are you going to be on the opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> he's only 34 um yeah that's a tough question i've took a before photo <laughs> before quarantine and we'll see we'll see afterwards hopefully this thing goes long so i've got some time well are you so i mean i'm like half joking here but are like i know jd is uh, i'm sure trey you're still doing the yoga lee i'm still you're doing the bar i i assume everybody's trying to stay fit it's good for the mind of course 
if you've got a body, you're an athlete. Keep it tight. I'm weighing less than I did at my heaviest in high school. I'm literally in the best shape wow. of my life right now, but unfortunately, I'm not allowed to see anybody. No so you're just going to have to take my animals. word for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trust me, I'm in really good shape right now. <laughs> JD, you said right before jumping on here, you uh, just finished up a Zoom workout. How's yep. the, how are those going? Well, they're going okay. I mean, I, I like being in my gym. I like, I'm using uh, resistance bands that I ordered nice. online, and uh, f- uh, three of the five of them I've already broken. <laughs> so uh, You're too strong. I'm that strong now. Nah, they're just cheap piles of crap so the rubber bands <laughs> basically yeah they're sold like that so that they break you're like man i'm strong better get some more that's right i feel really good about myself right now guys are you in a zoom meeting like one-on-one or are there no it's a class so class. there's about 10 of us okay okay that's How great you find that uh it's my gym the gym that i usually oh, okay, go to okay. i do, do small group fitness and uh yeah so she's running it out of her garage and i'm in my garage and we're virtual high-fiving each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got a great garage to work out because oh, you awesome. got those nice mats you've put down too jd we got we got we got bob i can beat up afterwards oh, yeah. we got skipping rope we got uh you know but my wife paints uh, she oil paints in there so you know it's a little stinky <laughs> <laughs> what from your sweat and her oil <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh and uh Lili, how's the bod looking man uh yeah, it's a little tough to get into a consistent routine with the bar three, um, but uh, I'm just out shooting hoops in the driveway most of the time, and uh, oh you know, that's that's really my exercise. Just keep myself, uh, you know, posting up six and seven year olds. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Throwing your weight around like you're shit. Yeah, eh? yeah, a little bit. It's like Kramer in that uh, when he goes to karate in Seinfeld. You know, I'm just like uh, not taking it easy on the kids, but. You know, my day of reckoning will come in about five years when they start beating up on the old man, but oh, yeah. i got to get my W's in now. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, well, our next headline, uh, this one from CBS, uh, Nets coaching candidates include Ty Lu, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, and Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, in case you had forgotten, the Nets <laughs> do need a head coach, so do the Knicks, um, but what do you think about these names in that particular headline, Lee? Ooh, not much outside of Ty Lue, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, Jason Kidd coached in Brooklyn and things didn't end well. I know things have changed since then. Of course, Prokhorov no longer owns the team. Uh, but he was underwhelming, I think, in his performance. I think he was also underwhelming in Milwaukee when he had Giannis Antetokounmpo. You look at the, the, the success Mike Budenholzer has had. I think that showed that uh, Jason Kidd wasn't sure quite how to utilize someone like Giannis. Uh, Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy, no thanks. I wouldn't like either of those two guys. Mark Jackson, I mean, the uh, the Warriors couldn't get him out of there quick enough. Now, I know his players seem to have his back, but everyone else in the organization hated him, and I just don't think he's the sort of guy you want on your team. And Jeff Van Gundy, he was a good coach for a while, but he's been out of the coaching game for so long. And, you know, he's so grumpy and so miserable on the broadcast <laughs> i just don't think he's got the right sort of uh, temperament to be coaching Wouldn't that work perfectly with kevin durant and kyrie Irving? <laughs> yeah, well, no, like the right I, temperament. yeah i mean he'd sort of maybe fit along there but i just i think you need someone who's a little bit more in tune with current players and especially having ty Lu with a relationship there with kyrie irving that apparently is still quite strong Certainly out of these four names, if I'm Ty Lu, I, I would be uh, the one who's feeling most confident. And I, if I was a Nets uh, fan, I would want him coaching over those other three. I, not, none of those other three really would inspire me that, uh, that they have the skills and the uh, ability to get the best out of that team. Yeah, you can't hire, I don't think, Mark Jackson or Jeff Van Gundy because that to me is just like stolen Knicks valor. These are like guys who made their bones with the Knicks and everybody knows them as the Knicks. You're the Nets. It just feels odd to me uh, to do that. I think you're being a little harsh on Jason Kidd there, though, Lee. Uh, it definitely didn't end well in Brooklyn because he, you know, he made his power play for a little bit more power and ended up trying to negotiate with the Bucks while he was still employed by the Nets. Not good, but he is a Nets legend, and they started 10-1, and but they finished the season 44-38. and They did get better throughout the year. Uh, and then you think about what he did with Giannis. Maybe he didn't get the most out of Giannis, but he was also the first guy who's like, Giannis is a point guard, and nobody really had thought about that at that point. They thought, you know, maybe he'll be a big guy, maybe he'll be a rim runner, but Kidd gave him the ball and let him make a bunch of plays, make a bunch of mistakes. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily think Jason Kidd is the right coach for this team, but I also don't 
think that Ty Lue is some amazing coach. I think he had success with LeBron and Kyrie, and now they like playing for him because they won a championship, so they have the most pull with Ty Lue. It's not dissimilar to Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson, right? Jordan saying, I'll only play for this guy who I won with. Um, Mm -hmm. Surely, I mean, Phil Jackson was a legendary coach at the time, but you just... You just get used to the person that you're used to. And, I mean, I think that's why LeBron wanted Ty Lue as well. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, maybe Lue relates to the players better. But I do imagine Jason Kidd is still well-liked amongst players. Uh, Maybe. I I mean, and Kidd may have learned from those two early stops. He came straight out of playing and went to coaching and then went from one job to another. And now he's had a little bit of time. He's obviously an assistant there in L.A. So, maybe... He has learned and he has understood how he has to be a better communicator, not just with his players, but the front office as well. Because, you know, the other point when he left Brooklyn and Milwaukee, both times, he seemed to really rub the front office up the wrong way as well. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's a part of it as well with, with Kidd. If he went back to Brooklyn with Sean Marks, he would need to learn how to manage those relationships a little bit better. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it's a good point there, I think, with... Phil Jackson and, and Michael Jordan. I mean, LeBron clearly wanted Ty Lu in LA and he, he almost got him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really, it just came down to money in the end. Ty Lu wanted more and he felt he was uh, deserved more as he was a championship winning coach. And if it wasn't the case, then he would be the Lakers coach right now. So, you know, Lou, I certainly feel has that respect amongst, you know, LeBron and, and Kyrie. And I think he'll probably have that with Kevin Durant because you know that Kevin Durant would see those things where LeBron and, you know, players who have won and MVPs and, and guys who have been there respect Ty Lue's uh, ability to coach them. So I think that certainly goes in his favor a little more than Jason Kidd right now. But again, you know, people change over time. People learn. And if Jason Kidd can show that he's become a, a little bit more of a, of, of a, of a player's coach or, or, you know, a good front office uh, coach to have in your team, then perhaps he has a chance there. But um, I would say Lou is the front runner right now out of those four. That's not to say that they, couldn't, they wouldn't consider somebody else as well. It seems like they're targeting a certain kind of coach for sure, right? Yeah, I a mean, point guard. Yeah, yeah and big name uh, for sure. We're not getting another Kenny Atkinson here in, in uh, Brooklyn. I think we can probably agree to that. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that's right um, because there's obviously some very talented young coaches out there that maybe doesn't, that don't have the big, uh, big name that some of these guys do, but... Feels like they want one of those to pair with a KD and a Ty Lue. John Hollinger called this the mo- most important decision of the Sean Marks era, Task. Do you do you agree with that in, t- in terms of who they peg for the next coach? Yeah, yeah but I think those two guys, uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, are going to have a say in, in who's going to be around. And not, mm-hmm. and not because they are... Uh, you know, they are the GMs. That's that's not their job. I'm not trying to call them GM LeBron like he was. He's been called in the past, but they had a say in Kenny Atkinson leaving, no matter what the headlines are. They didn't love the way he dealt with superstars. It right. sure seemed like so. It's it's um, it's definitely hard not to lean towards a guy who's not necessarily a, a motivator, but more of a, a people's coach, you know, more of a, you know, a place, a placator, like he will just get everybody in their spots and do their thing. So Ty Lu definitely should have a head on this job or should, should be the front runner. I think there's other names. Yeah. John Hollinger mentioned Brett Brown uh, because he's got Santo- San Antonio roots with Sean Marks. Mm-hmm. If, if he leaves the Sixers or Darvin Ham, um, another guy who's, <laughs> who's been, uh, he's a Mike Budenholder, Budenholzer assistant, um, and he's going to get a head coaching job at some point. But it's hard not to, to lean towards a guy like Ty Lu or Jason Kidd. But I wonder if Kevin Durant, after leaving the Warriors, could be a little anti-Ty Lu because he was LeBron's coach, maybe. Maybe just mm-hmm. wants to disassociate himself from any <laughs> success stories or anything. Uh, he Because, you know, he, he, he wants to do things his way. He wants to be... Uh, a bit of a trailblazer. He went to the Warriors. Now he went to Brooklyn where no one expected. So maybe he just wants to disassociate himself from any success stories. But that would make you believe that why wouldn't you just try it with Kenny Atkinson? Well, I guess I guess he didn't want him there. So I don't know. Uh, Ty Lue seems to fit the bill. Hopefully he's healthy because he was away from the game and he, was, uh, he had some health concerns. Uh, but he definitely wants to jump back on the bandwagon. And the names aren't other than him. Jason Kidd, to some degree, Jeff Van Gundy, I think would he's grumpy probably because he isn't coaching basketball. Maybe he'd be <laughs> happy if he's coaching basketball. Other than those, I don't really see any big names. But yeah, I, I definitely well, lean well, I see one more. The big I name. think there's one more big name, and it's um, I brought this up before, and now of course the NBA 
being postponed because of the coronavirus makes this even more convoluted and who knows if you can even get to it or you wait it out. But Mike D'Antoni is fascinating to me. If the Rockets do move on from him, again, like whether we have a season or we don't, and he is done coaching the Houston Rockets, I would just be curious to hear if KD and Kyrie would be down for a coach like that um, in Brooklyn as another, of course, big name. Obviously, we know is a, a talented coach and can get a lot of wins. Has, has struggled to get over the hump, but I don't know. That one's fascinating to me. I'd have to check the 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 rosters, but there's a chance that they have relationships with D'Antoni as well, right? From Team USA. I'm not sure exactly mm. when he was there because he was there throughout eight and twelve. I don't know if he stuck around until KD and Kyrie were kind of leading those uh, Team USA teams. But you know, D'Antoni's certainly been around that program for a long time, and as we know, Team USA is where a lot of deal-making happens. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, I just, like, man, we've seen what D'Antoni has done to a guy like James Harden in terms of just pure points and what he can do out there as a, you know, running the offense through. Imagine what he could do with KD and Kyrie, for crying out loud. I, I don't know, it's somewhat fascinating. I think it's a bit of a long shot, and I, and I if I'm a betting man, I am going Ty Lue, um from all of these names we're throwing out there, even the ones like Brown and Ham, but D'Antoni... That's, that's that's spicy. That's intriguing to me. By the way, just one more coaching sort of news here. Mark Stein did tweet that uh, Tom Thibodeau is believed to be solely a Knicks candidate. So that's why we haven't mentioned him here, maybe. And that if uh, if he's getting a new head coaching job, it'll be with the Knicks and not the Nets. Knicks bidding against themselves? Is that what's happening mm. here? <laughs> very, very possible. All right, our next headline from the Chicago Sun-Times. Bulls hire Mark Eversley as new GM, replacing Gar Foreman. Trey, what do you think? Your, your franchise still making moves here. You like this? It's been a great April. My first thought is that the Bulls pulling in more people who were not Bulls at any time in history, the better. They need to rebuild their <laughs> reputation with other teams, you know. We've seen a lot of reporting uh, since Gar Foreman was let go that uh, teams just didn't like having to deal with Gar Foreman, and it seems like Mark Eversley uh, is good with player relationships, with inter-office relationships. The guy has been around forever in the NBA at Nike prior to that, so he knows a lot of people. I think that'll be huge for the Bulls to become a respectable organization again. My second thought, the guy's got good taste. We saw him eating Portuguese chicken at Bereta in Toronto with Brian Colangelo. <laughs> That's a great restaurant. Uh, so I'm happy to know he's got his finger to the pulse. But my third uh, thought is... Great atmosphere, food. Mm. Okay, fair That's enough, so fair good. enough. Yeah, yeah. I sort of agree with that. But hey, hey, he's a that people back person. That backspot is great. Oh, yeah, oh, it's like a garden back. Great patio, Beautiful. yeah. He's a people guy, he's a people guy. You can show up there wearing a high-collar dress shirt or a T-shirt and not look out of place. It's fine either way. Yep. My third thought, That's though, true. is what are we getting from Mark Eversley? It's really hard to tell with his track record because... He was there with the Raptors after Bosch left, and they kind of were finding their way and tearing things down a little bit. Then he goes to the Wizards, and they are just keep trying to make the playoffs and trading the future for the present, you know, trying to just stay in the, me the treadmill of mediocrity, if you will. And then he goes to the Sixers, and they're kind of caught in the middle, and he played a, a huge part, apparently, in the Markel Fultz draft. So... I'm not super encouraged by the results in his past, but I'm also not very encouraged with the Gar Foreman results. So let's try somebody right. new. And, you know, as long as you're going to be advocating for Jim Boylan to go, I'm happy. Well, I think Eversley will be in the role of relationship creator and not so much the, of the basketball-y side of things because Arturis Karnishevas is the, the pure basketball guy and Mark Eversley is coming along with that reputation of, of being great with agents and players and front offices and mm -hmm. Jay Triano, another Canada basketball lifer uh, shouted him out for being that great. And for, and that's why he was hired from his Nike days by Brian Colangelo because he was great with relationships. So um, kudos to, uh, to basketball Canada, uh, the bulls hiring their first black GM and uh, to Mark Eversley, really working up the ranks now, being around uh, the NBA specifically for uh, a decade and a half, um, getting this GM job, and uh, this is a new, new power front office. That's a, yeah, entirely, entirely uh, a new situation for the the Bulls. Without those roots back in uh, back in the '80s and the '90s, this is this is a new life for the Bulls. Yeah, Lee, do they you think this the gives the Bulls some? Do you think this gives them some instant <laughs> credibility, Lee? 
Yeah, I think it does for sure. Because uh, again, apart from John Paxson, who is still apparently in the ear of the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, it's clear that the Bulls want to take new voices and new people and enhance their reputation because that has been the problem. Everyone sort of looks at Gar Pax these last 15, 20 years and think these guys are just going to be here forever and they never seem to be held accountable for what they've done. And I think now Eversley, he's the sort of guy who, he's a recognisable guy because he's kind of tall and, you know, we've seen him around the Raptors. We've seen him at All-Star Weekends. He's always kind of there. So he clearly has a good reputation. And now this... Yeah, and, and this is the sort of um, now he's, he's, he's done his time and he gets an opportunity to really influence a franchise himself there. And I agree, I think that he will be more about trying to build relationships between front office and players and agents and showing people that Chicago is a good team. It's a good franchise and, and a place where guys can go and be successful. I think that's going to be important because the Bulls, you know, they kind of live off those those six championships that Jordan and Pippen won. And, and really, yeah. that's um, that's been a bit of a problem, I think. So I think clearly uh, the, the owner ownership there has decided we need to do something different and, and they're making some big changes. And I think that's good for Chicago uh, and for their fans. Look, we so, got two people in the front office who are both six foot eight and Karnishevis and Mark Eversley. I'm a little worried now because the last time the Bulls tried the Twin Towers, it didn't work. Curry and Chandler, <laughs> maybe one of the worst eras in Bulls history. I'm getting nervous Uh-oh. now. Uh-oh. I just, um, I mean, I just want to know how long, how long is Boylan going to last here? Like, is Boylan coaching uh, this team if the season returns? Is Boylan coaching this team next year? Like, there's no chance, right? Uh, let's hope so. It's honestly been too long. They could have let him go right now for all I care. Uh, I, what else? What's stopping him? You know, I'm sure that they're staffing the front office now, and maybe they want to get everything settled before they move on uh, to personnel stuff. But, I mean, if you want to win over Bulls fans, that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. it, feel, it feels like he's lame duck status no matter what. So, oh. you know, why not just cut him, cut him loose and start again? Because with all this uh, feel-good stuff about hiring new people, it would seem a little bit off to just keep in Boylan, who, who didn't really do that well with the Bulls. So get someone new while you can. And again, you know, a lot of times VPs and, and GMs like to have their own guy anyway. So I think more than anything else, um, that's what the, the new front office is going to look to, is say, we, we need to make a sort of a splashy signing to show that uh, everything is changing. Right. I just uh, Googled... Um, Arturis Karnishevis, because I had no idea he was 6'8". Now, found a photo of him wearing some cool shoes. Now I'm shopping all of a sudden. I just want, <laughs> oh, I want some Karnishevis shoes. But the brand name, I, it was hard hard to really read it, so I, I thought it was Nobel, N-O-B-E-L-L, but they're called No Bull Shoes, N-O-B-U-L-L. <laughs> and now he's the Bulls VP. Crazy. He won't be wearing those around the front office. I didn't actually know he was six eight two. I'm I'm now. Do they have to change like all the doorways and stuff like that in their offices? It's two big guys there working in the front office. Yeah, but I'm gonna guess that a basketball team has tall doors already. <laughs> nah, players never go in there. <laughs> That's right. That's how they keep them separated. All right, well, we've got a few more headlines. We've got some fun ones to break down, including Aaron Gordon's D-Way diss track. But before we do, a quick word from one of our sponsors. Okay, I have a question for you guys. Was Men in Black a good movie? I'm An absolute mm-hmm. smash. Uh, I'm still not 100% sure. I think it was. But Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, they looked sharp. Because they probably went to the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day or weird alien movie. The Black Tux was started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine. And they aren't alone in this frustration. Peep these one-star reviews from competitor tuck shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. Moments that should be hilarious muster only a chuckle and action scenes that should tingle, like the final showdown with the unmasked giant roach, are just not that exciting. That was the that was yeah. black. Never mind. Uh, what I love about the black tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the black tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. That's obviously down the line from now. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, 
You won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, right reasons, right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code DUNKS. That's theblacktux.com, code DUNKS, for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, protecting the earth from the scum of the universe. <laughs> Whoops. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. Okay, we're going to end with two fun ones, I would say. First one from the New York Daily News. Jeremy Lin finally getting some love from the Knicks as MSG Network to air nine Linsanity games from February 2012. Linsanity, drink your Lin shakes because MSG <laughs> is uh, playing the classics. Which is, this is actually a big deal because for the most part, the Knicks pretend that, you know, Linsanity never happened. Um, with how it ended, but uh, you know they had to throw it on TV here because everybody's bored and people would watch these. Jeremy Lin played 35 games with the Knicks. I cannot believe that. Unbelievable. Oh, it, yeah, it felt like he was there for at least a couple of years, but he really just had that Lin sanity era that seemed to be way longer than it actually was. But it was awesome. It was really, really fun. Um, there's so many really good games in there that my two favorite are the game winner against the Raptors in Toronto, where he just sort of yeah. steps up as the clock running down. And then, of course, the one against uh, the Lakers. I mean, I think that's probably points. the one that's yeah that stands out the most because, you know, Kobe was playing, it was in the garden, of course, and uh, and he he was just incredible that night. So um, it, it's great to see that they're uh, showing him a little bit of love because I think Jeremy Lin feels that he's kind of been forgotten from the NBA. He said that last year when he couldn't get a contract that he sort of thinks he's been overlooked. And... Um, you know, he can still contribute. He didn't do all that much for the Raptors. But prior to that, he was a, a reasonable player. Just, you know, suffered a few injuries and that seemed to slow him down. Yeah, I'm happy to see James Dolan willingly take some losses here because it seems like he's not the biggest Jeremy Lin fan because Lin, you know, went to to the Rockets and... Dolan wasn't expecting that sort of thing to happen. And Dolan and Carmelo Anthony are obviously close. And Melo did not like Jeremy Lin becoming such a huge star for the Knicks. But this was such an important moment. And especially in the quarantine, like you need to embrace the probably the, the greatest Nick moment of the past 20 years, right? I mean, like this, they've yeah. gone to the playoffs five times in the 2000s. They've won one playoff series. And for some reason, you're kind of keeping at arm's length the biggest story of the 2000s for your franchise. So, yeah, it's nice to see Dolan actually saying, hey, I blew this one. Enjoy these <laughs> 35 games, I suppose. Nine games, whatever it is. Tass, we were, of course, we were the basketball Jones at this point back in, you know, 2012. What Do you remember the, the Lin Sanity run and us obviously doing podcasts and TV shows on it? Oh, for sure. Uh, it was wild. Um, you'd think a guy like that, just because it's never happened in the NBA, ever, ever, ever would have more of a run. When it was happening, I thought, well, this guy's going to be solid for a really, really long time. And I thought mm -hmm. he'd be a starting point guard at the very least for a long time, just because we'd never seen something like that in the NBA. And, and that didn't pan out. Um, and um, it only took a global epidemic for the uh NBA or for the Knicks to say, yeah, we'll put him on TV. I mean, that's great. Wow. Uh, I'm not, not really all that impressed that they're putting Jeremy Lin on television uh, eight years later. Uh, th they're looking for programming, I guess, and it only took them two months into this pandemic to uh, to, to make it happen. But to it was. get there. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I, I really, I don't think I've seen anything like it um, in the NBA period. I just haven't. When we were in Vegas a couple of years ago and you guys, uh, Trey and Tass, talked to Mike D'Antoni and Mike D'Antoni told the story about how Jim, Jeremy Lin was basically going to get cut from the Knicks. And it wasn't until there was a couple of injuries and, uh, and he stuck around and, and then he kind of saved uh, Mike D'Antoni as well. Because uh, it was just, it, he didn't really know what was going on, but they were just riding that wave of Lin Sanity, and it was awesome. And no one really knew where it came from, how long it was going to last, or where it was going to end. But it was just a cool ride there for those, uh, you know, what, three or four weeks. I still, I'm glad you said it right off the top, Lee. He only played 35 games, and it was, you know, I saw Bondi write this. It was arguably the most thrilling month in the last 20 years for the Knicks. <laughs> this guy out of nowhere plays 35 games, over, really has like this 9, 10 game run. Uh, that's just magical and, and just took over the sporting world. And it's got the greatest name ever, too, right? Like, Linsanity is so... It's so perfect. 
I know there was Vin Sanity and all that, and it's a bit of a play on that. I get that, but it's just it's. I love it. I love how just how perfect that is for this moment. Um, man, it was crazy. So yeah, you can catch those games. I guess if you're in the New York um, area, you got the MSG Network. They have, uh, I believe, started now. I know um, on Wednesday you get the highlight of uh, that 38-point gem against the Lakers. That's for sure. All right, final one here. Bleacher Report. Aaron Gordon drops 9 out of 10 music video after NBA dunk contest controversy. Yes, this is a real headline, and it's a real music video. Here's a clip. God willing, the best and then I still am. Your judgment gives me no fulfillment. I see you young OG, I thought you saw the same in me. Legend in my city, promise I'm going to make you believe. Okay, you guys have, uh, I'm sure, listened to the whole thing, seen the music video. What would you grade this out of 10? Is it better than 9 out of 10? Worse? Where do you go? I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, I actually thought it was really well written. Um, it was really, a really good video. And uh, I like the fact that he's, sip, he's sipping on Dwayne Wade's wine. That was funny. You know, while also dissing him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the some of the lines in there are, are, are pretty good, you know. Like uh, I, he, someone obviously wrote that for him. He didn't write it. But uh, okay, wow, I like the part where he really? Said he, did. <laughs> he didn't fire. got the trophy, but he got <laughs> he didn't got the trophy, but he got something to hold. These nuts, like great. <laughs> Sounds like you wrote that. The, the weirdest part though was just this voice in that sort of opening intro. Yeah, it's, like, it's pitched down. Yeah, yeah, I actually don't like the fact that he's drinking Dwayne Wade's wine. It was was all a ruse. Hey, Dwayne Wade, give me give me your box of wine. I'm doing this. I'm doing this song that yeah, it's a dig on you, but obviously you're in the loop as well because I'm asking you for your wine. And Dwayne Wade later retweeted it. Hey, that D Wade cellar's looking pretty good. And, and I, I don't I don't like the fact that it's. I just don't like the all this wine drinking happening in the NBA. I mean, where did what this are you come talking from? About? Why? It, it just <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I just uh, where did it come from? It's just like oh hey, we're these sophisticated guys drinking wine all of a sudden. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. It's I just don't think I'm just not buying into the fact that these men are leaving the arena or the practice facility or wherever and having wine. Uh, maybe they are. Maybe because it's healthy, I guess. Maybe they are if they're in, into a, a quick little beverage. Uh, but I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. It just feels fake. And this one definitely feels fake because he's drinking Dwayne Wade's wine <laughs> while dissing him. Hey, look at the coat. Look at the coat. I mean, yeah, the coat's fine. Uh, but I, I, I find it weird that this was his first choice this was his rap debut, was it not? I don't know. If he's it got is. another song yeah. on his YouTube for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's well. wearing he's wearing his Uncle Drew jersey backwards in this other video, Casper, and then he wears a Vince Carter jersey as well. Interesting oh. looks. Also rocking the tucked in T-shirt in nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. I give that a ten out of ten. Yeah. I'm actually a hundred percent bought in on this. I don't think this was a production. I think this was a documentary. He's just been sitting there drinking Dwayne Wade wine this entire time during the quarantine, obsessed over the fact he found the tallest guy in the building on a night when everybody was jumping over people, jumped over him and lost. He's like, guys, it's time. Turn on the music. Turn on the cameras. I'm dropping a track here because he's wearing one outfit the whole time. So I just like to imagine he's got a buddy. He's like, turn on your camera and follow me around. I got something to say. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Dwayne Wade uh, was the executive producer behind this too because <laughs> yeah. he talks about how it cost him a million bucks and Wade's like, well, listen, why don't we put out a video? We'll put my wine in it. I'll make a few bucks and then I'll give you the profits up to a million bucks and so then you get your million bucks back and we'll make it look like we're beefing with each other. I'll retweet it. It'll be great business. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Exactly. The players are, are too good of friends these days. You're going to write a diss track, diss him. <laughs> Don't be in business with him. Uh, but you said it cost him a million dollars. That was my least favorite line was the line where he said nine out of ten could have bought the fam of Benz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can buy your fam of Benz for sure. <laughs> I know it would have been a nice bonus Benz, yeah. um, but you can still buy your fam of Benz. I think they give you a Kia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess with that Millie, he was going to do something, <laughs> something cool and outrageous with it. But listen, he's doing something with his quarantine time. That's more than I can say for myself. So good for Aaron G. Um, I love that he uh, he name drops obviously a lot of people in this diss track. Uh, Adam Silver, who basically tells him he should have won, according to Aaron Gordon. 
uh, Reverend Jackson <laughs> gets dropped, <laughs> and Queen Latifah gets dropped. He brings up Shaq, of course. Um, I just think with this was weird, weird timing on Aaron Gordon of when he dropped the music video. That like I get that he was uh, he needed the boredom of quarantine to probably write this and record the video and produce it and all that. I get that, but why did he drop this? The night of, unless I'm mistaken, The Last Dance, where all of NBA Twitter is into episode three and four of The Last Dance and talking about MJ and the Bulls, and he drops it then? I mean, there's nothing else going on. If he dropped this, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, okay, then you got even more than a half a million views, which it had as of this morning, the music video. I mean, you're into the millions easily. I just, bad timing, which makes me think he did it, and then he was like, uh, eh. Is this amazing? I don't know. I'll probably get roasted for this a little bit. So I'm just going to slip it in here on a Sunday night when the last dance is on, see what happens. Uh, that's my opinion on it. it. It was not... I'm giving it... Uh, I'm giving it 6 out of 10. He doesn't have the greatest rap voice. I gotta, gotta say that. He sounds like me rapping. <laughs> but some funny lines. Some funny lines, and I actually... I disagree with you guys. I do not think this is a Dwayne Wade co-production. Um... I think he is legitimately and probably rightfully pissed off that he hasn't won some of these dunk contests, and this is his way to uh, get it off his chest. He does say he's never going in another one again, too, right? Yeah, that's what he, he says, said. He says but, that's but, a wrap. But look at look at Dwayne Wade's tweet there. He put see, in the bottom that at D Wade Sellers looked fire. So he, clearly he's trying to pump his own brand a little bit out there now. He's a retired man. He needs the income, and he's oh, trying to catch up. I'm not up. saying, yeah, Wade is jumping on this like, hey, all right, sweet, my wine's yeah. in there. I can make a couple more bucks here. Thanks, Aaron Gordon. But I don't think I don't think Aaron Gordon like in advance talked to Wade. Hey, can you send me some wine? Mm. And yeah, then I'll do I a think, diss track and we'll all make money. I, I think, think you guys I are think, going a little farther. You got your tinfoil hat on. Yeah, no, Wade's just a smart businessman. Right away he said, yeah. you got to trademark 9 out of 10. And he does. That's a great idea. Mm. <sighs> I yeah, think yeah, Wade reached out to up. Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I think Dwayne Wade and Aaron Gordon are definitely in cahoots. In cahoots? Why, why, why would he be drinking Dwayne Wade's wine? Is, because is that's Mike, like an FU task. It's like, I, you know, I know I'm it gonna doesn't promote, seem I'm going like to promote good, your but. brand. Not much of an FU to me. Should have took a Mike, piss in it. <laughs> is Michael Jordan sitting back drinking Isaiah Thomas's Sherlin wine? Or Sherlin champagne. champagne? It's not a wine. It's a champagne. <laughs> See that, that that's more of a fitting brand, I think, for an NBA player. Champagne, we want it. This wine thing seems fabricated to me. Okay, how about this? So you almost want maybe Aaron Gordon within the video to be like dunking bottles of wine, smashing Dwayne Wade wine, like something like that, <laughs> flushing it down the toilet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cooking with yeah, it. How yeah, about that? that? that Ooh, ultimate diss. Yeah. This wine. You're eating Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I did. Um. I did not like. Uh that he dunks in this music video and it's like Lee Ellis dunking in our dunk contest. It's like the most simple two-handed dunk ever. It's like, what? Mm. I mean, uh-oh. Maybe he has yeah. been drinking too much wine. Maybe he has been just writing too many verses. The hops didn't seem to be there. Yeah, I was a little surprised he didn't just use footage from the dunk contest a little bit. to sort of remind everyone about how awesome his dunks were, you know, and then shots of the crowd going crazy and all that. And, and yeah, so just going up and putting it down is like, yeah, well, you know, you're not going to win with a dunk like that, Aaron. Come on, man. Put down the wine bottle. <laughs> oh, let's hear what you guys think. Aaron Gordon's 9 out of 10 music video and the lyrics and everything. I will say, one part I did like, and I was fascinated by, it pans up. Like, I think uh, AG's, like, sitting on a couch. It looks like he's in his living room, I think, you know, or yeah. a theater in his house. And it pans up to... You know what appears to be like a night sky right like the stars in the sky but i think that's his ceiling yeah you can see the like pot it, yeah. lights like yeah you can see right the pot there. lights okay so but was that was that like photoshopped in you know digitized in or is that like in the ceiling like it's a feature of his mm-hmm. uh, again room that he has it's a feature of the room if you ask me that's badass that was great cool. yeah, yeah. i mean that's a that's a power move <laughs> that's a that looks awesome and they're like there's an animal print that goes from the floor to the ceiling as well i mean mm. 
Okay. That's pretty. You know what? I changed my mind. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Love it. Love that. I don't know, language. man. He's sitting in a room filled with black light, with a zebra print up to the ceiling and stars on the ceiling. I'm like, this is a college dorm room, bro. He's yeah. got like a posters of Biggie on the wall. It was like a junior version of Drake's 2C slide video where he's walking around like this gigantic mansion with these gigantic portraits of rappers on the wall. Yeah. And Aaron Gordon's got like a 12 by 12 of Biggie Smalls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor AG. Poor AG. All right. Well, what do you guys think? Let us know. Of course, hit us up on Twitter at No Dunks Inc. Hashtag No Dunks. All right. Let's call it there for today. Quick rundown of No Dunks this week. As I mentioned off the top, later today, we're going to have a one-on-one interview with Curtis Polk an executive producer of The Last Dance. That should be fun. On Wednesday, we're beach stepping, so get your questions and your comments in right now. Thursday, a new No Buffs Survivor podcast. There's only three episodes left of Winners at War, so it's the perfect time to get in. You know you only have three episodes to watch. That's it. On you Friday, get ready. <laughs> on Friday um, we've actually already locked down our new basketball movie to watch for this Friday's film session. Lee, you're getting your wish. 1985's comedy, Teen Wolf. Yeah. Is it a basketball yeah, movie? Yeah, I can't wait. I, of course it's a basketball yeah, movie. Of course it is. Yeah. Okay. And what don't do forget, mean? I've also got a, uh, I've got a special guest on Thursday night as well. Oh, yes, I did forget about that. Let's just uh, yes. let's leave that one mysterious. Mm, but if you're yes. Australian, you'll like it. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> Everybody you're else really going like, to like it, I reckon. Who the hell is this? Um, but yeah, I forgot about that. Sorry. So apologies. So, well, yeah, I, I we, will say, I, I will say, the guest I'm going to uh, talk to on Thursday night has interviewed Michael Jordan and Dr. J. Okay, so right, he's look. got a connection to the basketball world there. I'm sure you'll be asking him all about those interactions. I right? will. All right, all right. So that's uh, I absolutely will. That's late on Thursday. So we got an action-packed week here of No Dunks. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much to everybody that continues to download and listen and share and tweet us in and email us. And we really appreciate it. All right, till next time, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, no bull. Arturus Karnishevus has great taste in footwear. And he must be getting paid some bucks because these aren't cheap. <laughs> Embrace the day, people. You could stay.